0: I'm really enjoying the team of uh, speakers that we've got working with us at the moment. I'm just now, I just, as we've been going through Philippines, it's just been great just to listen to what other people are saying and learn from them. I'm still still working with Jill and her idea of the, the pilot and be happy to travel with him because she knew him and, and that challenge. Uh, with what um, Phil brought us last week in terms of what does, how do we really ground what we are learning in Marlow in 2022. Um, Nigel, I haven't listened to your talk yet, and I wasn't here when you spoke, so I apologise for that. A little bit lower. Okay, super, good. And uh, it's just, you just feel that we're all learning and drawing from each other, and, and the whole is more than the, the sum of the parts, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. Paul said to me, I've got, I've got the best chapter, uh, chapter three. And, well, it's probably some of the best-known stuff, which is both a good thing and a bad thing, because the risk of chapter three is we've all read it so often, and uh, it's hard to find something new about it. Um, just a quick word about the slides this morning. Um, my topic is actually modification or transformation. Um, but since we know the answer is transformation, I wasn't going to spend a long time on that. Um, but I've called my talk Uncertain Times. This picture is from a conference that Karen and I attended in Germany three weeks ago. And the topic of the conference was building church in uncertain times. And this picture was the, the key um, slide for the conference. And I just love it. I just love it. It is such a great picture of where we are at the moment. It doesn't matter how hard you look at that picture, you can't see where we're going. And I just saw this at the back of a hall here. There's a, an HM government poster. You don't need to know where you're going. <laughs> and as, as Nigel us, that is the uncomfortable truth. We don't need to know where we're going We just need to know who's going with us. And every part of my being, and I don't know about yours, is screaming out to know where we're going. I want to know. I want that certainty. And yet, the truth is, we don't need it. What we need to know is, as we follow, follow that yellow line into the mist, follow the hand of Jesus. I did play around a little bit trying to find a hand that I could superimpose on the mist as Jesus reaching out to us. But it being the end of October, most of the images on Google were really unsuitable. <laughs> they were not the sort of hands that you would want to see. So you're just going to have to bear with me and um, imagine it. So, uncertain times, Philippians chapter 3. How do we work in uncertain times. How do we cope with uncertain times? The chapter gives us four revelations, four revelations which are important in this. Um, But just before we get into that, I want to just look at the beginning where Paul says, I have got chapter 1 here, haven't I? Yeah, Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Whichever way you look at it, these are strong words. Remember that for the Greeks, dogs weren't nice little pets you had around the home. They were menaces and and vermin, really. Um, what, What was it that so annoyed Paul about these people? Well, all these people were doing was offering certainty. That's all they were doing. They were offering certainty. They were saying, get circumcised and you'll be safe. Join us, go the whole hog, do what you need to do, and you'll be fine. And yet Paul calls them dogs, evildoers, mutilators of the flesh. So you can see even from the very first verses of this chapter where Paul is going in terms of his attitude towards certainty and uncertainty. So four revelations that we need. Firstly, we are the circumcision. We are the circumcision. Paul says somewhere else, no, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not of the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. So we can't produce the evidence in our flesh of that circumcision. Guess what? It's by faith. Oh dear. Oh dear. It's by faith. And what does faith mean? It's not certain. It's not certain. So we are the true circumcision. Now it is true that in its context, in time writing to Philippians, this was such an issue. And for Marlovians in twenty twenty two it is less of an issue. But there's still a point here that it is about walking by faith and not by what he calls here the the written law. Second revelation, we serve God by his spirit. We may serve God by his spirit. Remember John 4.23, the true worshippers, those who worship him in spirit and truth. Now, serving God by his spirit may be evident by our actions, but it doesn't start with them. It doesn't start with them. So again, Paul's saying we're not going out and doing the things we do in order to get the big tick, in order to know that we're approved and that our future salvation is assured. No, we serve God by his spirit. And a lot of that serving is invisible. There is serving going on in this congregation that we know nothing about. We know nothing about. Now, I'm I'm really thrilled about our involvement in projects like Wycombe. That is just... It's exactly what we need to be doing as church. It's exactly what we're doing. But we serve God first and then the people. And our serving of the homeless and the others comes out of our serving God by His Spirit. It's invisible, it's intangible. Third revelation we boast in Christ Jesus. We boast in Christ Jesus. What a word! What a word! We boast in Christ Jesus. Remember Paul again in Corinthians, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Boasting in Christ Jesus. Boasting in a person that most of the world and most of society regard as either irrelevant, a bit of a joke, or a historical anomaly. But we boast in Christ Jesus because we have found him to be something completely different. We have found him to be faithful. We've found him to be true to his word. And we've found him to be the one who transforms our lives. So let's not not make excuses for him. Let's not talk about other things and stay away from him. We boast in Christ Jesus. That is going to be key to us working in these times of uncertainty. And fourthly, we put no confidence in our own abilities. Paul talks about confidence in the flesh, but that's there are better words, better ways of translating that. We put no confidence, I'm suggesting, in our human skills, talents, and abilities. Oh, now. You know, the, the enemy has, has this really clever trick that if you've got nothing and you feel you're worthless, he says you're excluded because you've got nothing and you're worthless. So God's got no time for you. If you feel you have something because you are wealthy and affluent and well-educated and have all the possessions in the world, the enemy says you've got no place in God because you don't need him. The enemy is always trying to exclude us all, no matter where we are. But I suspect, not for all of us in this church, but for many Talents, abilities, and skills are something that we have. And this is the challenge that we face. Over the last, well, probably four or five years, I've gradually seen, one by one, the things that I regarded as safe and secure and things that could be relied on taken away. Politically... We all know where we are as a nation. Economically, the turmoil that we're facing at the moment is, once again, times that we've not been through before. And the economists, if they are truthful, will acknowledge that none of the old models work because we haven't been here before. But the Bank of England will continue to push up rates by half a percent a month because that's what they do. They've no knowledge at all of what change that's going to make or how it's going to help, but they don't know what else to do, so they just do what they've always done. The government doesn't know what to do with the economy. There was this interesting uh, mini-budget a few weeks ago and a chancellor who said, I pay no attention to the markets. Interesting comments. But whichever way you look at it, the reality is we don't know where we're going. (laughs) HM government saying you don't need to know where you're going. I suspect I can't see what's written under it. I think it is because we don't know either. It's what's probably written under. <laughs> but no, don't I don't uncover it, John. I don't know what will happen then. Um, uncertain times, and personally, I've found that really, really challenging. Really challenging. So look at what's happening in the stock market. Look at what's happening in my investments. And it's just thrown me back on this huge question. Where's your confidence? Where is your confidence? Can I trust in my own skills, talents, and abilities? And the answer's no. The answer's no. Paul clearly says, we put no confidence in the flesh. He goes on to say though I myself have reason for such confidence and he sets out the grounds for him why he thought historically previously he'd been secure and how that whole thing was completely turned on its head. We are in uncertain times. Things are being shaken that have not been shaken before. And the only way we're going to get through this shaking is through our relationship in Jesus. We want answers, but I suspect, as Nigel said, we don't need them. We don't need them. We need a faith in God. So there's a key word in this chapter that Paul uses, consider. And he talks quite a lot about this. And it's about our our worldview. It's about how we see things and how we consider things. What do we consider to be important, to be valuable, to be worth pursuing? And I'd refer you to Phil's excellent talk last week where he teased out some of these things about our attitudes to, to um, what's important and how we change it. And Paul says he not only considers them lost, he has actually lost them. And that's deeply concerning, isn't it? It's not just about how he sees them, that he's still got all these attributes and things that make him important. No, he says he has lost all things. Really? Really? Not sure that's really where I want to go. I'm happy to hold these things lightly. I'm happy to consider them lost, but actually to lose them for the sake of knowing Christ, yes. If that's what it takes, if that's what it takes... That's what it needs. There's no other way. There is no other way. But this talk of Paul's does make me very uncomfortable. If you like, this paragraph could be subtitled affluence or effluence. Which way are we going to go? How are we going to value these things? And he talks about a righteousness that comes from God And is on the basis of faith. That's what he's looking for. Not something he's built himself. But a righteousness that comes from faith. A faith I can't see. I can't hold. I can't put away somewhere safe. And I can't control. A righteousness that is the gift of grace. That is where he wants us to be. How do we know Christ? What does it mean to know Christ? What does it mean to put our confidence in someone who we've not met? What does it mean, really, to find that place of security in him? Because we may think we have a strong relationship with God until things get shaken, until we are drawn into these times of uncertainty. And certainly for me, that's the time where I see, oh, that's not as strong as I thought it was. I don't actually have that relationship with God that I thought I had. It was God plus this, or God plus that, or God as an extra. I can't remember who it was who described the form of most or many of our Christianities as the American dream with a thin veneer of Jesus. So the Ameri- in other words, we live just like our neighbors. We are guided by the same things, motivated by the same things. We move in the same things. And we just had this, this, we go to church on Sunday, so we have this little veneer around the outside. Floyd McClung, Holiness and the Spirit of the Age. Well worth a read if you can still find it. The great Western dream with a thin veneer of Jesus. No, it has, we have to change. It's got to be different. We cannot go on like that. Because we are absolutely no good to Marlowe if we look just like Marlowe. If you can't tell the difference, there's no point. And the difference isn't really, isn't in what we don't like and what we protest against and what we're negative against. No, 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 no. The difference is out of the heart. We are speaking a different message and dancing to a different tune. Knowing Christ is not a modification of our behavior. Not a modification of our behavior, not doing things slightly better or being slightly nicer. It is a transformation of our core being. Paul talks about suffering, death, resurrection in that order. And Paul doesn't know what it's going to be. There's that great word, somehow, becoming somehow like him in his death and so attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I want to know Christ, yes, the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. It's only through that dying to self that we're going to find one with Jesus, identifying with him and becoming like him. But there is a promise, a resurrection. There is that promise at the end. Verse 21. Who, talking of Jesus, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. Last couple of weeks we've talked about going down. We've talked about the levels of humility that Jesus achieved so that he could be raised up and raised up above all powers and all authorities. And that's where we're going too, If we will sacrifice ourselves, if we will humble ourselves, if we will seek out that death experience being like him in his death, we will be like him in his resurrection. It's a mystery going down so that we can go up. How do we press on? How do we press on? Paul's encouragement here is to leave what's behind and press on. Now, nostalgia is not what it used to be. But we do love to look back, don't we? We do love to look back. And unfortunately, we simply can't. There is really not a lot of value in it. We can look back on God's faithfulness. We can look back on the good things that we've seen in our lives. But looking back as to the good old days, nah, that's gone. That has gone. We only have today and the promise of tomorrow. We press on by not settling for what we have. Not settling for what we have. Not saying, yeah, it's quite comfortable now. It's all right. We'll just hang on here. Batten down the hatches, close in, hold what we've got, protect it. No, that's not going to work either. We cannot afford to be settlers at this time. We need to be pushing on into the good things of God. And in this context, Paul talks about some people. i find my page here. He talks about people... For as I've often told you before, this is verse 18, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their belly or their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. I don't think Paul is talking about unbelievers here. I think he's talking about Christian settlers who've decided... Yeah, this is enough. Where I've come to now, I'm happy with this place. I'm happy to make it work here. And this final sentence is key to that. Their mind is set on earthly things, and then in contrast, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we've been talking about citizenship over the, the weeks we've been going through this book. Our citizenship is in heaven. Now, when it talks about destruction here, The Greek word apoleia is an interesting word. Colin touched on it a few months ago. It can mean a waste just as easily as a destruction. Um, In Mark 14, uh, verse 4, the perfume that is spilt on Jesus' feet, the word used there is apoleia. This is a waste. And similarly, uh, the wide gate that leads to destruction or a wasted life is a perfectly good translation of that from the Greek. So their destiny is waste being wasted. Paul's saying here, we all have the opportunity to be fruitful. We all have the opportunity to bring the kingdom. But if we set our mind on earthly things, if we settle for where we are, or worse still, long for the old days that are gone, we will become unprofitable, unproductive, wasteful. Our mind will be set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. That is our direction. That's where we're looking to. To be productive in this, in this world, we need to have our eyes fixed on heaven. Where is home? Where is home? We cope in these uncertain times by knowing where we live. We are citizens of heaven, as well as being citizens of Marlow. We are citizens of heaven, and our security is assured. Our citizenship is assured. We haven't got a piece of paper, we haven't got a passport, but it's assured. It's settled. One of the the phrases that came out of the conference we were at was, I would rather walk through times of uncertainty holding on to Jesus than walk through certain times on my own. Which would we rather have? Would we rather have times when everything's planned out and everything's under control and we can plot out what's happening and we don't need Jesus? Or would we actually rather embrace times of uncertainty holding his hand? It's a challenge. Now, unfortunately, we don't have a choice about what the times are looking like. We are in uncertain times And we can't change that. Can't change that. The question is, are we going to try and make them certain times? Are we going to build ourselves something that we think keeps us safe? Or are we going to acknowledge these are uncertain times and hold on to the hand of Jesus? Uncertain times, a certain trust, a certain trust in him. some weeks ago, I think it may even have been when we were in chapter one, I started writing a little poem. And I started with the, the words of a Noel Richards song. And those of you that know the song will hear, hear it coming through in the poem. Our confidence is in the Lord, the source of our salvation. But will that confidence survive The meltdown in our nation. When all around are gripped by fear and frightened by the view, where will I look to keep my peace if I don't look to you? For it is only in your love that I can stand protected. When investments let me down, and confidence runs out of town when friends no longer stand their ground and job security turns around. War and sickness scream aloud and evil publicly struts so proud. Jesus is nowhere to be found, the Holy Spirit's gone to ground. From Father God, I hear no sound. How can I stand protected? The fog. Hides everything from view. The road ahead's not clear for me, but as I give my heart, I know you're stretching out your hand to me. I want the light to see the way, and th- as I walk into the gathering night, but in your hand that holds me close, I walk by faith. And not by sight. That's all I know. To hold on tight. And find my confidence in you. To choose to walk. Into the night. And know. That you. Will bring me through. He is our fortress. We will never be shaken. He is our fortress. We will never be shaken. He is our fortress. We will never be shaken. We have put our trust in him.